بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد continuing with the discussion of this booklet of Hazrat Wala rahmatullah alayhi four actions we had discussed the first two aspects aspect of keeping a beard to the extent of one fist and keeping the garments above the ankle in fact it should not even touch the ankle that is the best thing that it stays way above the ankle there shouldn't be any kind of doubt that should be in anybody's mind that is this flowing below the ankle or not and in the light of the wording of the hadith sharif wala haqqa lil izari fil ka'bain this indicates that the entire ankle should be uncovered so this is something to be conscious about then is the third action protecting the gaze just to keep in mind that as we mentioned yesterday and the day before as well Hazrat says that this is the crux of his 80 years experience person brings these things within him meaning starts practicing on these four things then inshallah everything else is very easy somebody who has seen the ups and downs has been through the mill as we call it and he is giving this advice so we have to take this to heart so the third action is protecting the gaze <clears throat> in this time and age there is a great neglect in this regard many people do not even regard the casting of lustful glances as a sin whereas allah taala has given the command of protecting the gaze in the quran e kareem many people don't regard it as a sin either because of ignorance they just are ignorant of this reality that this is a sin and a very serious sin or that it is the deception of the nafs that a person makes some kind of excuse and say well this is something that's unavoidable so since it's unavoidable this is excluded in certain circumstances is unavoidable for me so this is excluded whereas there is no such exclusion Allah Taala says qul lil mu'minina yaghuddu min absarihim say to the believers that they should lower their gazes this refers to not looking at non mahram women likewise they should not even gaze at beardless youth in fact even to a youngsters even if a youngsters beard has grown to some extent but one still finds the heart somewhat inclined towards him then to look at him is haram The crux of the matter is that any such face which one derives haram pleasure from gazing at it is haram to look at such a face the protection of the gaze is such an important aspect that Allah Taala has separately commanded the women to also guard their gazes Allah Taala says yaghdudna min absarihin that and say to the believing women that they should lower their gazes this aspect is unlike the commands of salah fasting and other injunctions wherein the women have not been given an independent command rather the males have been addressed and women have been included in these commands on the basis of being subservient to men the quran sharif addresses all in the male gender but everybody is included in that command yet when it comes to the aspect of guarding the gaze allah taala separately commands the men separately commands the women In the narration of Bukhari Sharif it is reported that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said zinal aini an-nadhar 
Casting lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes. Bukhari Sharif. One who casts lustful glances and is indulging in fornication cannot even dream of becoming a wali of Allah Ta'ala unless he sincerely repents from this evil. <coughs> so this is part of the treatment of this. That the person bears this in mind that in the court of Allah Ta'ala I am being labeled as a zani, as a fornicator if I indulge in this kind of sin. Now this is such a terrible label, nobody would even want to be very from a distant also, distance also be ever associated with such a label. But this is the label that comes on a person in the court of Allah Ta'ala upon casting haram glances. In another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is reported to have said, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ النَّاظِرَ وَالْمَنْزُورَ إِلَيْهِ May the curse of Allah Ta'ala be upon the one who casts lustful glances, as well as the one who emerges in such a manner that lustful glances are cast at her. <coughs> in other words, that woman who didn't take the care to cover herself fully, and as a result, people were casting lustful glances at her, then both parties are equally sinful. In this hadith, Rasulullah has cursed both the person who casts lustful gazes as well as the one who is gazed at due to not adopting parda. Those who fear the curse of the saints and pious people should fear the curse of Rasulullah since piety is acquired in becoming true slaves of Rasulullah. Sometimes this happens, person becomes very, very concerned, very worried, what happened? He says, well, whatever he did, which was not right, obviously, but then in that moment of anger, he says his mother cursed him, somebody says father cursed him, and now this is, has become a major concern for him, and indeed, this is not something to take lightly, on both ends. Neither should one be cursing anyone, many a times, People curse their own children, they curse their things. And the Hadith Sharif, this has been something we have been warned against. That sometimes this curse can become applicable. And now that curse was invoked, the parent invoked the curse on the own child. And that effect of that curse falls. Now after the effect has fallen, now the parent also is crying and the child is crying also. So this is something, this is all the effects of this uncontrolled anger. This is the same lesson that we discussed one of the nights, that this anger, it spoils the person's iman, just as this savir, this very bitter substance spoils honey, that the sweetness of that honey is gone. It's still honey, but it's now bitter. So the sweetness of iman disappears. That iman is there, but the sweetness is gone. And as a result, life becomes bitter. So, this is the very important thing that not to curse the curse and when a person starts some people get in the habit of just cursing they end up becoming the targets of their own curse the hadith sharif it is reported that a person invokes a curse on someone so if that curse that person is deserving of it it's applicable upon him then it will fall if not then it goes to the right to the left doesn't find any way anywhere. It goes up to the heavens, the doors of the heavens are close to it. 
So then eventually it comes back upon the person that had uttered that curse. So now he cursed somebody, he himself became the target of that curse. So he is harming himself and even if it's falling on somebody else, often a person ends up cursing those who are closest to him. What a tragedy this is and what a disaster this is. But all this is as a result of this anger. This is a very very serious thing which many a times is just taken lightly. In other words, lightly in the sense that no effort is made to treat it, to eradicate it, to make any kind of effort to uproot this anger and it causes so much of havoc in people's lives. person himself becomes and sort of entangled in so many things and he makes life difficult for so many around him also as a result of this anger. So anger is something to be very very conscious about and to learn how to control this anger. So Hazrat was saying that those who fear the curse of the saints, so this was the point that sometimes people, now somebody's father cursed him and his mother cursed him or somebody else cursed him and he becomes very worried about it and rightly so. Here is the curse of Rasulullah so a person who is normally very concerned about the curse of his father and curse of his mother and somebody else, what about the curse of Nabi and this indicates how severe this is otherwise this is not something that would have been mentioned in this manner but Nabi says that that the curse of Allah is upon the one who casts lustful glances and the one who is gazed at Many a times the difficulties, the turmoil that goes in the heart, etc. All the other issues that crop up in life. A person is looking for solutions in many things. It's like there's a fire burning. So now the person is trying to douse that fire with some water. But the source of the fire he is not attending to. The source of the fire, there is some fuel that is being pumped in from some point and that is igniting the fire more and more. So now the thing to do is to cut that where that fuel is dripping into this whole inferno, cut the source of the fire. If the source of the fire is going to be cut off, then the fire itself will then extinguish. But now a person is trying to douse it with water, but the fuel is still coming in. So that water doesn't it just barely make some dent here and there. But in a next moment again the whole thing has ignited. So this is what happens in our day-to-day situation. There are some times, some issues, some situations, some circumstances that come that really throw things into turmoil. And now the person is trying to find some kind of solution. Somebody is running helter-skelter for some tawis. Somebody wants to get some dumb made. So all these things, they are, there is a place and time for it. There are situations where all this is valid also provided that it is from the right sources, from the right people. Otherwise, this too is sometimes, Allah forbid, people get caught up in the hands of wrong people and they really then get carried away in a direction that sometimes is just no end to it. Recently one person phones up and he says, well, we don't know what to do, what's the problem? says, well, there was some issue, somebody was getting sick and something else and whatever else. So finally they went up to see some Amil. So they visited this Amil. The Amil said, no, there's a major problem in the house. So, well, how can we sort it? 
So he says, well, okay, we'll have to work on it. But first for, I will have to, we'll have to all vacate the house. I will have to now be there for a while so that I can clear this whole thing out. Now in desperation, because they had been through going so many places and somehow somebody gave them some kind of reference, so they thought, well, this is the right place that they've come. So now they vacated the house. Now this person went and occupied the house. And now one month went away, two months went away, they asked him, now they're living in somebody else's house. He said, no, it's still not out. So he's still taking it out. Allah knows best whether it'll come out before Qiyamah or not. Or maybe it'll come out when his janazah leaves the house. So now he, Bichara, the whole family, all somewhere else in somebody else's house or whatever, wherever they're now trying to just continue with their life in some way. And they can't get him out. And now, Shaitan also brings, now somebody suggested that, well now, you have to possibly vac- get this person to vacate. Say, but what then if he leaves something behind? <laughs> now that whole thing is now, that then will be worse off than what we were. All these things are often, most of the time, mind over matter. There is a reality to these things as well, but more often than not, it is mind over matter. That there's something that just, these are these wasavis that a person entertains. And then that becomes what was nothing, becomes like a reality in the mind. And every little thing now gets attributed to, well, the same thing is happening. There's something done. And somebody has fed something. So while there is a reality of it, that's in a small fraction of the cases. The large, the overwhelming majority of cases, often there is no real issue of any jin jadu issue, it has just become something in the mind. And because a person now has taken that line, so now everything appears to him like that. So this is something to be very careful about. What is the thing to be done in all these type of situations? The best route is to stick to those things that have been established from Sunnah. The morning duas, evening duas that we recite, the three quls, with the yaqeen. When Nabi Salaam was also affected by this black magic, this is clearly established from the ahadith. But the ilaj of that Allah Ta'ala revealed in the last two surahs of the Quran Sharif. Surah Falak, Surah Nas. Nabi Salaam himself has taught this to us. So this is something to adhere to. The morning and evening duas. Very importantly, a person should stay in a condition of purity all the time. Not to be in a state of impurity. This is something that is very important. Then, besides the three quls, etc., the other morning duas that we recite, if there appears to be something that is becoming an issue, the manzil, which is available very easily, many kitabs have it printed with it, takes 10-15 minutes at the most to recite the manzil. All these ayat that have been compiled together in the manzil, this is all established from sunnah. So to recite this, recite it, blow on some water, drink it, or give the person to drink, blow on some water and sprinkle in the corners of the home. This which is established from Sunnah, we try to stick to that. To go to some amil is permissible, provided the person is authentic, provided the person has been endorsed by reliable people. And one of the main indicators is that there is no material exchanges involved. Otherwise, many, many things happen. One person used to have a very good fee 
at the same time he had very big claims that this Tawiz is 100% if it doesn't work money back guarantee so now people will come so he will give the Tawiz he says well the one condition only is you must put this in water or whatever and drink it or you must read this wazifa or whatever the case is he will prescribe something but at that time you make sure you don't ever think of a monkey now as soon as a person is told not to do something Al-insanu harisun fi ma muni'a If he never told him don't think of a monkey, his whole life he wouldn't have thought of a monkey But now whenever he comes back and he says the Tawis didn't work, he says you must have thought of a monkey He says well that monkey must come to mind at that time Because you said don't think about it He says well don't blame my Tawis then, you think you have a monkey So no, no return of the money now, you're not fulfilling the condition So whole life will carry on like that Because as soon as you place one condition of that nature that don't think of this then without fail that thought will come now who's going to avoid that? so the thing is that there's a lot of things that are happening in this kind of situations in these Tawiz issues and so on one needs to be very careful and the safest route is to stick to what is in established in Sunnah and if there is a real need then one first consults reliable people of who he should maybe go to otherwise this can become a major problem <laughs> So we digress from this point that Nabi Wasallam has cursed. Now what we're talking about actually was that the sometimes there's a problem, whatever the issue is. And now a person is going helter-skelter for some tawis, is going helter-skelter for all other things, trying to sort that problem out in so many different ways. But we don't look at where the source of the problem is. Where is this really coming from? And very often it's coming from our actions is coming from what we are involved in. Now, a person sometimes is involved in riba, and everything is going helter skelter. Sometimes that riba is not necessarily what he is deliberately, intentionally taking interest, but the kind of transactions he is doing is nothing but riba. Some wordings has been changed here and there, and somebody called it an investment, and somebody put the word return on investment, and. Whereas the reality of that particular transaction was nothing but interest. Now that is being consumed, when that interest is being consumed, what the effects are is obvious. This, what we are discussing, now a person is wholesale engaging in casting haram glances many a times. This has been not once or twice, many a times. When there has been some domestic turmoil, now the person is complaining of all the problems at home and whatever else. And in the cause of the discussion, one of the questions that then come up is, are you looking after your gaze? So very often, not all the time, but very often, one of the questions, when this particular question comes up, then the frank answer is no. And after the person made sincere toba, and he stopped misusing his gaze, and sometime, short while later, some weeks later, month, two months later, after the person comes back, he says, Alhamdulillah, everything was sorted out. Now, there will be a lot of reasonings we'll find. Oh, she's got a very big mouth, and she's very big-headed, but how big of a gunegar am I that we don't think about? Everything, all the fault is on one side only. But how I am, this is the fuel that is igniting that fire. Yes, maybe there's a very big mouth on that end, but that mouth that is getting very big is being ignited by the fuel that we, we are su supplying. 
So now that escalates for everything that's said, there's two things said in return, and then there's a ongoing situation. And this is, as mentioned, that it is not an isolated situation. There have been several instances where people had these big, big complaints. But at the same time, the person was not looking after his gaze, looking at haram, whatever else he was indulging in. And he made his tikhfar from that. He didn't really get into sorting out the other issues. The other issues weren't really addressed. All the big, big lines and complaints he had weren't formally addressed. He addressed this point, this issue in his life. And everything settled. Maybe there were some ups and downs, but by and large everything carried on normally then. So this is a thing to look at. That what is the source of the problem? Where is this fuel coming from? It is clearly understood from the ayat of Quran Sharif and the ahadith that the one who casts lustful glances has been given the following three evil titles. Number one, disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because the person who is involved in this sin is going against Allah Ta'ala and Nabi Sallallahu command. So the first evil title is disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number two, fornicator of the eyes. And number three, accursed. If one is addressed with any of these titles, one will be extremely hurt and displeased. If somebody else has to talk to us in this manner, anybody has to address us by any of these words, then this will be something we'll take major offense at. This will be a thing we'll never tolerate. But from the side of Allah Ta'ala, a person gets addressed by these titles due to engaging in this haram action of casting lustful glances. Thus, if one wishes to remain safe from these titles, it is necessary to guard the gaze. Some people protest and say, what have we done? We did not take anything or do anything to anybody. All we have done is cast a glance. These Malvis needlessly frighten us. Nay, the Malvis are not frightening you. Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul are prohibiting you. The Malvis do not make any mas'ala, law of deen. They merely explain the laws of deen. This is something which often comes up in the kind of situation where sometimes a person, that same anger that we are talking about, he blurts three talaks in one go and now he's severed his marriage completely. So now he comes to some alim, the person says, your nikah is gone. So then he goes around and saying, no, so and so person broke my marriage. So he broke the marriage, he merely told you what you've done. The damage you did yourself, but now he says, no, so and so broke the marriage. How can he break the marriage? He can't break the marriage. You broke the marriage on your own. But now this is how it is then interpreted. So likewise, here people think that somebody else is making this difficult on us. The ulama are merely explaining it. They are not making the law from their side. They merely explain the laws of deen, the ayat of the Qur'an and the ahadith presented above. They merely, the ayat of the Qur'an and the ahadith have been presented above. Are these the sayings of any Malvi? Furthermore, I say to such people who claim that we have taken nothing and done nothing, but only cast a glance, that if your casting of a glance is such an insignificant act, then why are you casting glances? Simply forsake casting lustful glances? Thus it is obvious that they are taking something and doing something when casting glances. What are they taking and doing is actually deriving haram pleasure which they import into their hearts. As a result, 
their hearts are destroyed. This is something which drains out the nur of the heart. The example that we've quoted many times, used to mention this example often, that once they were driving, traveling in Hijaz in Makkah Mukarramah, Prophet Muhammad and it was a very hot day, and while traveling now, the car was very hot inside, so Prophet he asked the driver, is the air conditioner not working? He says, no, it's working. So if it's working, then why is the car not cooling down? So then they checked up around, see one window in the back was left open. So they closed that window and a short while later the car cooled down. So the Ahlullah, they take a lesson from everything. They take a lesson from even the most simple things which we won't, our mind won't go in any direction. Rabia Basriya somebody presented to her a roasted chicken. Roasted chicken, it's a ni'mad, somebody brought it as a gift or whatever, and they presented a roasted chicken to her. So now this is a type of luxury, and it's a ni'mad, so a person would consume it, make sugar, it's a ni'mad. She burst out crying. So now the person was surprised that what has happened, did I do something? Did I say something? What's wrong? So she said, no, nothing wrong. He says that my mind went away somewhere else. Now, this is the, the point in this is, that how we should be also trying to engage our mind in a way that enables us to take an ibrat and lesson from things. Whatever Allah Ta'ala's ni'mats are, bounties are, we'll use it. Allah Ta'ala's gift it is. It's a ni'mat. If somebody has presented some good food to us, I'm not going to say that no, this is not something to we'll accept it, person has given with muhabbat, provided there's no issue in it, we'll accept it but she also accepted it not that she rejected it but she took a lesson now this is how these lessons come when a person keeps thinking of Allah Ta'ala keeps thinking about akhirat now when the mind and heart is constantly engaged in this way, that from everything this is the same thing a person sees. Like that question, one person was hungry. So now he was hungry, so now he was in school or whatever. So the teacher asked him that two and two is what? So he says it is four rotis. Now he was hungry, so two and two also became four rotis. Because everything now was food for him because of his hunger. So likewise, when a person is all the time occupying the heart and mind in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, he is repeatedly thinking about Akhirat. And even outwardly unrelated things, something that doesn't seem to be related in any way, but that too takes his mind in the same direction. So this is the thing to practice on. This is the thing to keep looking at. Once Hazrat Wala while he was here in South Africa, so for a short while he had been taken to the beach, to the shore. So just to take a walk sometimes in the morning to parks, etc. When it's quiet, there's nobody there. And he would sit down there, have a majlis there, make some zikr there. Sometimes people would think that we also go to parks. Well, fine, now we got a license. But there's a asman zameen farak. So any case, other ones went in the morning for a short while, took him to the shore. So he was seated there. Everybody was seated around. So now everybody was just quiet. Hazrat was quiet also. And he was facing the 
ocean. So somebody after a while, one of the ulama that were present there, so they just suggested that should we, in other words, suggesting to Hazrat that you should make some zikr. In other words, everybody is of requesting Hazrat should make some zikr, they'll join in. So Hazrat replied and said, right now we are engaged in zikr. Now immediately everybody didn't understand. He says, we're looking at this, what are we looking at this for? These waves coming, this mass of water, water upon water, and these rolling waves, and is this not the manifestation of the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala? Is this not the manifestation of the power of Allah Ta'ala? And then on this we can see in the distance these ships that are sailing, thousands of tons, and these thousands of tons are sailing on water. You throw a light object and that sinks. Barely a little bit of weight in it, and that object sinks. And this tons, this is flowing, floating on the water. Is this not all the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala mentions all this in the Quran Sharif. Now everybody was sitting there, everybody was looking at the same water, but those whose hearts are attached to Allah Ta'ala, looking at that water was, وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Their hearts were engrossed in the reflection and in the meditation of the creation of the heavens and earth, that subhanallah, look at the Qudrat of my Allah Ta'ala. And look at this manifestation of Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. So we also look at the same sky. They look at the same sky also. We look at the same waves. Allah forbid when you go to see the waves, what else goes through a person? Here they are looking at the waves, they are looking at the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the lesson that, so we are talking about Hazrat Rabia Basiya Rahmatullah so this chicken was presented to her. So she burst into tears. The person asked her that, what's the problem? So she said, no, nothing, no problem. Just that my mind went away somewhere else. Where your mind went away? She says, I just reflected that this chicken is, mashallah, so fortunate. Fortunate? She says, yes, that first it was slotted in the correct manner. Zaba was made. After Zaba was made, obviously, then his life was out. It was lifeless now. So after being lifeless, after it's lifeless now, it's got no feeling. Thereafter, it was then roasted. It was skinned and then roasted. But at the time of being roasted, it was lifeless. So there was no feeling. So it didn't feel anything. So this is its good fortune that it was roasted after its life was out. Allah forbid, Allah forbid, if I am not saved from the fire of Jahannam, and if I'm thrown in the fire of Jahannam, I'll get roasted alive. That thought came in my mind. And that thought drove me to tears. Now, where's the chicken? Where's the fire of Jahannam? Where's getting roasted alive? But those who occupy their hearts, this muraqabah of moth, those who keep thinking of death daily, in the Hadith Sharif becomes a person who thinks of death 25 times daily. Some rewire 20, some 25. 25 times daily, 20 times daily, and in some riwayat this has been even taught, Allahumma barikli fil maut wa fima ba'd al maut, to make this dua 20, 20 times daily. Ya Allah, grant me barakat in death and after death. What is the barakat of death? The barakat of death is death on iman. The barakat of death is death khatma bil khair, death in a good condition, death in a good situation, death in a good place. Death in a good time. So all this is barakat of death. And after death, 
that a person is given easy passage through the stages of akhirat. So, a person who makes this dua for, or remembers death in this manner 20 times daily, he'll pass away as a shaheed. So this is something to also practice upon. So in any case, now the person who is remembering death often, then he takes a lesson about his death from everything too. Person who thinks of akhirat often, he is pondering over akhirat, over the na'mas of jannat. Then this creates that shock, that enthusiasm, that eagerness in him to work for jannat. He from time to time reflects upon jahannam. Some people's hearts are considerably weaker, they can't handle much of it, then find this ponder about Jannah. But sometimes it is very useful to even think about what has been described in the Quran Sharif about Jahannam, what has been described in the Ahadith about Jahannam. If a person can't handle it, find this, confine it to Jannah. But otherwise, some little reflection on this too. Now, this is the, when a person has this habit, has this practice, then now one chicken also takes a mind somewhere there. So, what we're talking about was this incident. When Hazrat was traveling with Hazrat so now this car wasn't cooling down. And Hazrat asked that, what's the problem? So in any case, they found this window open. So they closed the window. So after a short while, this cooled down. So he said, look, this is the lesson we need to take. This is the lesson we need to take. That mashallah, we have the air conditioning of amal on all the time. Person is performing his salah person is reciting Qur'an Sharif, he's making tasbihat, zikr, tilawat, dua, other righteous actions, making an effort for deen, whatever it is, all the good things he's doing, mashallah, this is the air conditioning of amal. But why isn't the heart getting cooled? Why is that tranquility still not coming in the heart? The air condition of amal is on, so there should be this peaceful coolness in the heart. See, the reason is because we've left our windows open. The windows of our eyes are open, so this coolness that is meant to have stayed in the heart and cooled the heart down and have brought that peace and tranquility to the heart, all that coolness has now drained out of the windows of the eyes. We didn't close the windows of our ears from listening to haram, listening to ghibat, listening to music, listening to other evil talk, to obscene talk, to vulgar things. So now that nur of the heart, that coolness that should have been given, giving the heart that tranquility, this is all draining out through the open window of the ears. The window of the tongue hasn't been closed. The window of the tongue is still engaged in ghibat, engaged in evil and obscene talk, engaged in vulgarity, engaged in so many evils, lying. So now this window is open of the tongue, that coolness that is supposed to have tranquilized the heart, this is all draining out of the window of the tongue. And likewise, all the other sins that a person commits, these are all open windows then. So this is the lesson that often we are looking for the solution elsewhere, in many things. But the solution is inside. The solution is to look within ourselves. That what am I doing that is causing the issue? Where am I igniting the fire from? Am I providing the source of the fire? The fuel is coming from me. So if I cut the source of the fuel out by making sincere toba, by closing these windows, inshallah I'll start benefiting from that coolness as well. When one casts lustful glances, one becomes distanced away from Allah Ta'ala to such an extent that in no other sin one is distanced away so far. It says that when one casts lustful glances, one becomes distanced away from Allah Ta'ala to such an extent 
that in no other sun one is distanced away so far. The qibla of the heart completely changes. The heart that was directed towards Allah Ta'ala turns 180 degrees away towards the person one had glanced at. Now the heart, the qibla of the heart, just as a person in salah, his qibla is the Kaaba Sharif. So the qibla of the heart, in other words the focus of the heart, the qibla of the heart is towards Allah Ta'ala. Now he's turned his attention to Ghayrullah. So the entire direction of the heart has changed. It's focused towards Allah Ta'ala, the heart has turned around. So now the whole Qibla of the heart has turned. He so to say turned his back on Allah Ta'ala. So this is what is being explained here. Hence whether the person is performing Salah, reciting the Quran Sharif or anything else, that beautiful face is in front of him. When in solitude also, the mind is still engrossed in the same beauty. And this becomes sometimes, let alone destroying the spiritual heart and destroying the noor of the heart, it even destroys a person physically. Because this becomes a disease. A person then can't sleep. He's tossing and turning because of the same images that are now circulating in his heart and mind. And now that becomes a disease of fantasizing and that destroys a person physically also. There was one person when he had come down, perhaps it was in his last trip or the once before that, and he says he met somebody in Johannesburg, the person came to him, the person was, one look at him will tell you this person something is wrong, he's sick. So he asked him, what's the problem, you're not well? So he didn't know the person, the person just came to meet him, so he's one look at the person and anybody can make out something is really wrong with this person, completely drained and so he pulled out his wallet and says that this person whatever either of ignorance whatever now in his wallet he's got a picture in there the picture of some tennis player and he's saying she made me sick so obviously her reprimanded him where you're keeping this picture and even showing it around to others but she's how she made, now he was gazing in this manner. And now that stuck in his heart and mind. Now the whole day and night, this is what is circling in his heart and mind. And as a result, he became physically sick. He like became almost like a, on his way now for the asylum. Because the whole mind gets corrupted and then gets drained. And everything else gets affected. Besides the person's ibadat, besides his deen, even his dunya then gets affected. And a person is married, then his marriage is also then affected. Everything is on the line. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So whether the person is performing salah, reciting the Quran Sharif or anything else, that beautiful face is in front of him, when in solitude also the mind is still engrossed in the same beauty. Now instead of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, the remembrance of that beautiful person is in the heart. The heart is not subjected to such destruction by means of any other sin. The heart is not subjected to such destruction by means of any other sin. For instance, a person has missed his salah, or he has spoken a lie, or he has harmed somebody, his heart will turn away from Allah Ta'ala by perhaps 45 degrees. However, he will repent and seek the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala, and seek the forgiveness of those who he had harmed, and his heart will once again be directed towards Allah Ta'ala. On the contrary, 
The sin of casting glances is such that a person becomes completely unmindful of Allah Ta'ala. And the love of the person he has gazed at settles in his heart. As a result, some people even lost their Iman at the time of death. Some people even lost their Iman at the time of death. There was one person who was caught up in this kind of illicit love. And he was so deeply caught up in this. So when he was now suddenly in his last moments of life, and in that last moment of life, somebody made talqeen of the kalima. So when they made talqeen of the kalima, so he replied, now in that state of his, he says to take the name of my beloved, he's talking about his illicit beloved, is more sweeter to me than this what you are telling me, and he passed away in that condition. Now that is a death of kufr, that a person is saying to take the name of that beloved, that illicit beloved is more sweeter than the name of Allah Ta'ala, Where's the Iman left? And now this became the end result. The starting point was this casting of haram glances. This is how dangerous this is. Allah Ta'ala declares in a hadith Qudsi. Nabi Islam quotes this from Allah Ta'ala in his words. That inna nazara sahmum min sihami iblisa masmumun man tarakaha makhafati abdaltuhu imanan yajidu halawatahu fi qalbihi. O kama qal. That verily the evil glance is a poisonous arrow from the arrows of shaitan. The evil glance is a poisonous arrow from the arrows of shaitan. The one who will forsake casting an evil glance out of my fear. Allah says, the one who will forsake casting an evil glance out of my fear, I will give him in return such iman, the sweetness of which he will taste in his heart. So this is a poisonous arrow from the arrows of shaitan. It's poison. And now this arrow comes directly into the heart. Imagine a person sipping poison, what happens? He's sipping poison, the poison is going to now become fatal at some stage, Allah forbid. Now this arrow is directed directly at the heart. And it's a poisonous arrow. Now one arrow, then the second arrow, the third arrow, arrow upon arrow, what happens to the heart? That poison now in the heart is king. The heart has been poisoned so now this is going to flow through the veins. So the whole body is now going to be corrupted with this poison. So everything now moves in that direction. And from one thing to the next, and a person has destroyed his deen, destroyed his dunya. So this is the danger. But at the same time, in the same hadith, Allah Ta'ala says, that the one who forsakes this out of my fear, not for dunya, not for people's sake, out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala, in return, Allah Ta'ala, he gave up this haram pleasure. Allah Ta'ala gives him in return the sweetness of iman, which he will experience. Yajidu halawatahu fi qalbihi. He will experience the sweetness in his heart. In other words, he will physically acquire the sweetness of iman, which will be present in his heart. This is not some world of fantasy or imagination. It is a revelation of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has not instructed us to merely imagine that the sweetness of Iman has entered the heart. Rather, He has declared the word Yajid, which means that you will physically experience the taste of Iman and find it present in your heart. Dear friends, practice on this prescription of forsaking lustful glances and see the effects for yourself. The heart will experience such sweetness of Iman that as a result of the value 
that as a result, the value for the kingdoms of the seven continents will perish from one's heart. Allama Abu Qasim Qushayri writes in Risala Qushayriya that by the injunction of guarding the gaze, Allah Ta'ala has taken away the pleasure of the eyes, but in return He has granted the non-perishable sweetness of Iman. Mullah Ali Qari Rahmatullahi writes, وَقَدْ وَرَدَ أَنَّ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِمَانِ إِذَا دَخَلَتْ قَلْبًا لَا تَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ أَبَدًا It has been narrated that once the sweetness of Iman enters the heart, it never leaves it. So Mullah Ali Qari Rahmatullahi further comments upon the statement and declares, فَفِيهِ إِشَارَةٌ إِلَى بَشَارَةِ حُسْنِ الْخَاتِمَةِ That in this is the indication towards the glad tidings of death upon Iman. Because if a person has gained the sweetness of Iman, and then that won't leave him, so he may not always be perceiving it. But if he's truly gained the sweetness of Iman, that will remain. So if the sweetness of Iman will remain, then Iman will take him to Jannat. So this is an indication that inshallah this person will get death on Iman. The reason for this is obvious, that since when Iman will never leave the heart after having entered, due to having achieved, achieved its sweetness, death will also come upon Iman. Thus protecting the gaze is a guarantee for death upon Iman. Friends, nowadays, this great wealth of gaining death on Iman is being distributed in the bazaars, at airports and stations. In these places, protect the gaze and gather the treasure of the sweetness of Iman. Hence, acquire the guarantee of death upon Iman. Therefore, I say that even in these times, there is an excess of nudity and shamelessness. There is also an abundance of the sweetness of Iman. Protect the gaze and partake of the halwa the sweetmeats of Iman. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. And as mentioned previously, this used to be something that he had made his mission. He used to state that if there is a plague, plague is now widespread, at that time a person starts dispensing panados for flu. They say this person doesn't know his priority. That flu will take care of itself. Now the time is to, you'll find at every street corner, if there's a widespread plague, at every other street corner there'll be some kind of arrangements being made for anybody passing by to give them some kind of injections and medication to make sure that they are not caught in the plague or if they're already caught in it that this is, they will be quarantined. So the whole focus is to now treat the situation of the plague. So this is to say that this is a plague that has now gripped People in general, this plague of casting haram glances, this is a plague. And therefore, the mission that Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with, he used to say, is to now address this plague. And therefore, this was the thing that Hazrat used to emphasize over and over again. There should be hardly ever any discussion, any discourse, where this was not something that was brought in and something very strongly emphasized upon. And as mentioned, that they saw life through and through. They saw how people, what became the downfall of people, how people were progressing in deen and fell, and what was the reason of these falls, and how people who from nothing progress, what became the means of this progress, in the light of all these experiences, they presented all this to us in the plate. So nice for us to take it and practice upon it. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdihi.